the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Welcome in. Let's do a good show today. We have our Patrick O'Hare Tipple guest on Wednesdays giving us some market update. Candy Crush. Candy Crush, that's right. Candy Crush has somehow, some way, some shape, some form passed $20 billion in revenue since its launch in 2012. Well, that's pretty impressive. I think. Shows that mobile gaming has some do-re-mi tied towards it. Don't ignore it. Fox's late afternoon NFL broadcast Sunday was down some from the same week a year ago, but the most famous fan in attendance helped drive ratings up in one particular group. Taylor Swift, just by her presence, skyrocketed the demographics for young women, 18 to 49, um, 18 to 34, just huge. So and Fox played up to it like, oh, look who's in the stands. And uh, after a touchdown, instead of an instant replay, they did instant replays of her. That is a win situation for the NFL. Fans are trying to reach young women. They don't care about any age man. They want young women. High net worth individuals. You are a high net worth individual if you're defined as having more than $1 million in investable assets. I find that to be laughable because it's the same definition from 25 years ago, not adjusted for inflation. But high net worth individuals, those with $1 million or more, have a large holding. Do you know what it is right now? 34% of us. Nope, not 34% of us. 34% of our assets are in cash. That's the highest level since 2002. Now that's good news and bad news. I'm getting 5% of my cash. Woo, that's good. Super saver. In theory, I'm beating inflation. But I'll tell you what, my cost in the last two years since my kids going into high school and um, uh, upper middle school, uh, it doesn't feel like anything's on sale, if that makes any sense. But um, 34% cash? That's good news and bad news. Good for the saver. Good for the investor. Not today, but in the future. That cash will move from cash to the stock market when rates start to move a little bit lower. That cash will move into real estate when rates start to move a little bit lower. Right now, Americans are acting like the rates are, I don't know, like you're Spouse came in the house and pooped on the floor and acted like nothing happened. Like, what are the, what's that? People don't like where rates have moved to. It's historically not bad. It's just in the past 10 years, it's awful. 
anyhow, let's move forward. I'm still stunned that yesterday I talked about Warren Buffett saying the incredible period for America's economy is ending. I want that to sink in because I think he's the best investor of all time. He is the Michael Jordan. His cautionary comments stand in stark contrast to the typically optimistic stance on the U.S. economy. What's changed is high inflation, rising interest rates, and an ongoing banking crisis. The small banks, regional banks, they're problematic. And Jamie Dimon, who represents a big bank, came out yesterday and said, you know, we could see considerably higher interest rates. And what he's doing is he's telling you, bank with me. I'm the safe one. There's no dislocation in my company. I'm the safest bank there is. I find that pretty interesting. His phrase yesterday was that Americans are on an economic sugar high and he's urging clients to bat down the hatches and prepare rates to hit 7%. He says a lot of things that are wrong, but I like that he gets a little bit of caution and a little bit of pessimism to get into our heads. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Inflation has cooled off massively over the course of the year. It still remains well above the Fed's 2% range. Latest reading was 3.7%. Central bank held its benchmark interest rates at 5.25% to 5.5%, a level last seen just before the 2007 housing market crash. Dun, dun, dun. Now you're starting to put the pieces together, right? Come on. Tell me you're putting the pieces together. Um, all I want to do is be loved. If you were happy, you know what? Clap your hands. No, nope. uh, there's no clapping. Uh, NASDAQ was down 1.5% yesterday. The SP 500 was down 1.4%. The Dow Jones and Australia average down 1.1%. Biden took all of about 15 minutes to talk to the UAW, United Auto Workers. Trump's going to be there today. The dual visits come amidst an 18,300 person walkout in a state that could decide the next president of the United States. That's how thin of a margin it was in Michigan last year, uh, last election cycle. Biden backs EVs for the environment, which is going to hurt the UAW. It's it's really a catch-22 right now for the UAW and for the automakers. GM and Ford make a ton of money on big trucks, gasoline guzzling big trucks. Ton of money, fat profit. They lose money on electric vehicles. And with a new deal, they're going to lose even more money on electric vehicles. And you know who's going to be happy? Elon Musk until his workers say, you know what? Why are these people making two to three times as much as we are? So short term, I think it's going to be a big win for Musk and Tesla. Longer term, there's no way GM and Ford can continue to lose this kind of money into VVs and pay workers more. There's no way you're talking bankruptcy or spinoffs or mergers or acquisitions or something. And it sucks because, like I said, it's a kind of weird catch 22. They make so much money on big trucks. The Ford 150, the Ford 250, the Ford 350, the Ford 450. It's got wheels, 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 wheels. Those are very profitable uh, machines. Judge ruled Trump committed fraud in his real estate business. Strangely, and this is going to go, oh, this is before he became president. I've never liked Trump on a personal level. He's found his business to be a bit of a fraud. Um, I always found that he talked big for a guy who inherited money. 
So for me to see that, like, and I would go into girlfriends' houses uh, 25, 30 years ago on a single, and I'd be like, um, 15 years ago on a single. Um, I'd be like, I can't date you. This guy, he's not the art of the deal. Come on. You don't really believe that. Come on. So strangely, I'm happy. And now that chapter's closed my life, I can be at peace. Um, What I didn't like was 25 years ago when I started this show is a lot of people would see what he does on infomercials and they'd be like, I want to get into real estate. I want to be a real estate developer. So strangely, that, that story made me happy. Again, not political, Republican or Democrat in any way, shape or form. I like moderation and moderation. JP Morgan settles a sex trafficking suit for $75 million. That's amazing. That got a little bit too far along in the process before settlement came along. Um, so, okay, so here's the story here. Banks have a, they have, uh, banks and brokerages have kind of a, um, a legal obligation. Like if I were to say, Hey, I want to sell, uh, um, I don't know. That's a tough one to say. If I start doing things without telling my spouse and it looks like I'm not telling my spouse or I say, can you wire me money down to Mexico? I'm on vacation. How much you need? $2 million. That's a flag. Something's wrong with my life. Cause that's never happened. Banks have an obligation to babysit large transactions and they caught some of Epstein's. They didn't catch them all. And that's why they're they're settling in court. Doesn't mean that anyone did saw something. It's just that as a company, they didn't note something. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Don't want to work forever? Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. Congratulations. There are more. 401k millionaires and IRA millionaires than ever. You in on this action? Fidelity revealed in a recent study that nearly 80,000 of the retirement account investors achieved millionaire status in the second quarter this year when the stock market surged 16% in the S&P 500. I think that's a good thing. When you're starting to talk about a million dollars, you're starting to talk about a number where you potentially could retire. Don't know your budget. Um, some strategies for becoming a 401k or IRA millionaire is pay attention to it. I've been working for companies that have 401ks at least 25 years, probably longer. I probably wasn't conscious when I was in uh, my teenage and early 20s. Of does that have a 401k or not? But yeah, if your company has one, use it. You can save money. Not paying federal taxes. It grows tax free if there's any capital gains or dividends. Then when you comes to retirement, you're probably not in your top income bracket. So you're paying at a lower tax now, the thing you do is pay yourself first. I have done the show for 20 plus years. And I've gone through a lot of people in radio, the radio industry, like what are called board operators or producers. And every one of them is younger than me. And every one of them, I'm like, take advantage of the 401k. Take advantage of the 401k. Take advantage of the 401k. Those who did don't regret it. Those who don't won't retire well. 
pay yourself first is a good piece of advice. Automatic contributions into retirement accounts, 10 to 15% of your income, up to 18500 per year. That number scales higher every few years. If your company offers 50% of your contribution match up to 5%, or if they match 3% or if they match 6%, take advantage of it. Free money is free money. Um, never, ever touch it. Um, I've seen people dip into their 401ks for buying a home, and then the home goes down in value, and the stock market uh, goes down in value, and they just sold high, and they're buying back low, or they're never buying back at all. Your emergency fund is not your retirement fund. So with the writer strike, we found out many of the writers pulled money out of their 401ks to pay bills. That's not an emergency fund. That's your retirement fund. Start as early as possible. I've started investing for my kids. And I talked to them about it. Uh, my kids are stoked. Uh, they see that if they don't touch it, how much it's going to be worth in years to come. So start as early as possible. A 30-year-old investor who saves $850 a month with a 7% return will have more than a million dollars by the time they turn 65. But if you wait till you're 40, you have to invest $2,000 a month. Not $850, $2,000. Maintain an emergency fund. Super important. I can honestly tell you that sometimes I had way too much cash in my emergency fund. Sometimes I've had uh, way too a low of a return. But my emergency fund is my emergency fund. And I don't even look at it as an investment or tied towards my retirement or maybe a vacation money. I don't even look at it as a rainy day fund. It's almost invisible to me. Another thing you do become a 401k millionaire is get educated learn about stocks and bonds. I've refrained from ever owning a bond fund. That will start to change now as I move closer to retirement. And I'm less about wealth accumulation. I'm, wealth, I'm more about income from all my freaking fragging investments. I've always reinvested my dividends. And now it's like almost like that show me the money from Tom Cruise movie. Show me the money, Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. Um, it's possible to become a millionaire with your 401k. It's pretty darn easy. It just takes time and a little bit of consistency and zero mistakes like cashing it out. Barron's did an interesting test drive of Tesla self-driving software for a month. And they hated it. Oh, no, they didn't hate it. They said the good is that it works most of the time in most situations. It makes life easier, driving safer. Tracking full self-driving it's, is its own interesting exercise. Longer trips versus shorter trips. Uh, there was interventions where that refers to you having to take over to avoid an issue or give the car a nudge when it's unsure how to proceed. Highway driving was lovely. I agree with that statement. 
going from exit to exit on an interstate was much less stressful. Car often reacted faster than a human to slowing traffic. I feel safer with that than I do with my spouse driving in interstate traffic. Um, the bad news is it doesn't do everything perfectly. So they referred to the full self-driving as having a bit of a teenage driver streak. It doesn't handle wide intersections well. There's potholes, unpainted speed bumps, road construction, double parked utility trucks, flashing yellow lights, advanced green lights for left turns, heavy fog, getting cut off by another driver, all cause the system trouble. So that's just the good and the bad. I think the good was it handles interstates well. Um, I play with it on occasion, just going like two miles to get lunch. And it does handle the back roads better than it did two, three, four years ago. I don't trust it on the majority of a short commute, though. One. The worst bit was the other drivers. Um, it can't come to a complete stop at a white line back from an intersection. It creeps forward every single stop sign, every single time. This is simply not the norm. It, it's it's irritating. Then there was the black plastic bedliner from a small Nissan pickup truck that literally flew out of the truck and onto the interstate. That required an intervention because full self-driving didn't know what to do. I think it's pretty interesting. Um, I think it's not as good as Elon Musk wants and new revelations about him freaking out at his engineers keep coming out. And yet he tells the public, oh, that's great. That's a conflict with the law. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. It's Wednesday. That means it's Patrick O'Hare time from briefing. Dot com, a reliable source for domestic and international news, um, especially tied towards the economy. I start my day each and every day with page one. I end it with a big picture written by Patrick O'Hare, who still writes. Not a lost art. It is a art, though. Mr. O'Hare, how are you? Hey, Rob, I'm doing just fine. Thanks. Good to be back with you. Um, I want to get your opinion real quick on Elon Musk tweeting out that if the union workers get a 40% raise, that's a way to send Ford GM and Chrysler into bankruptcy. Um, it was kind of a shot at Biden because Biden just said these folks certainly deserve it. Elon Musk and Joe Biden don't really have a great relationship, even though Joe Biden says let's make more EVs, the car companies are losing money. They, I remember back in the 80s and 90s, we kind of thought like we need to lose these automaking jobs and retrain auto workers because it's a money-losing proposition in the long term that we're going to lose to robots and other situations. Do you remember going back into your past and like, it's not the same issue again, but it's a problem. What are your thoughts on the, the strike and uh, Elon Musk basically saying, don't put these guys out of business, don't pay them? Well, I think there probably are some political undertones there, as you allude to, yep. uh, just given the kind of the dissension between Mr. Musk and the Biden administration. Um, 
But, you know, another way you might want to look at it, too, is it's kind of almost a um, um, maybe an acknowledgement for Tesla workers that you probably don't want to unionize and come to me with these big wage demands if the UAW gets it, because I'm telling you that if the UAW gets it, then this is Mr. Musk saying that he thinks these big three are going to be forced into bankruptcy, which, of course, will lead to a bunch of job losses. Right. So. Um, maybe that's another <laughs> kind of subtle approach or tacit type of uh, tweet he was uh, he was putting out there. Um, but it certainly, you know, sounds as if uh, the, the UAW strike is something that's not going to be resolved uh, quickly and easily, given these uh, the wage demands that are put out there. And I don't want to sound that I like I don't care because I do. It's just building a car could only equal so much of a price tag for the consumer and labor is the biggest cost of business for these guys. And mm-hmm. they're just not matching up in my mind. With that said, I'm not pro union, anti-union. I just know that this is a sticky problem to say the least. Um, well, yesterday we got, oh, add, go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, just adding to that. I mean, there is, there will be a price to pay by somebody. Um, you know, when prices go up for labor, um, you know, the consumer is ultimately going to, you know, be contributing, if you will, to these pay increases because, uh, you know, companies are going to want to protect profit margins as much as they can. Um, and and I think that it creates a risk here that, uh, you know, we get, you know, have to deal with what we've been talking about, you know, for a bit now is the stickiness in, in inflation. Um, and, and that's where it could be more problematic from a macro standpoint. So a lot of, uh, a lot of attention is rightfully being focused on the UAW strikes and and the outcome of those strikes. Um, you know, so as you can see, even today, right, we had the news that the Writers Guild of America reached its agreement with you know with the studios, um, and that was just kind of just background noise in terms of what was going on there. And you know, respectfully speaking, here now, not background noise of people that are involved in that strike, but I'm just saying from a macro standpoint. You know, there wasn't a lot of attention. You know, President Biden didn't go join the, you know, the picket line for the writers or the, but he did show up on the picket line in Michigan to, uh, to, you know, join the UAW because really the, the reach of that auto industry is so extensive across the country, uh, that you do have to keep your, your focus on it, uh, because it, it does have potentially some larger macro implications, you know, once it gets resolved for better or worse. Let's focus back on your wheelhouse, um, your page one article that you start each and every day with. You pin this article early, talk about yesterday's market, today's market, what's going on. Um, what do you see from today's market that we need to be highlighting? Well, I think you, know, you see, again, it's a little bit more of a tentative trade. I mean, you are kind of had a uh, an assumption maybe it might see a little bit more stronger rebound-minded action based on what was happening in the equity futures market this morning. And, uh, you know, you really didn't get a lot of conviction off the open here. And, and you know, part of that, uh, you can tie back to the fact that uh, the 10-year note yield, which was trading lower uh, ahead of today's open for the stock market, you know, reversed course in pretty short order and went right back up to where it, you know, settled yesterday up around 4.55%. And, uh, and sure enough, that took some of the steam out of the market here. And I think, you know, uh, one of the items I uh, drew the reader's attention on page one here is how uh, is, is it's clearly had this uptick in oil prices this morning, too, that was, again, just kind of 
hanging in the background there while we were all looking at the equity futures market trading higher just because a lot of people thought the stock market was oversold on a short-term basis and due for a rebound. But uh, you can't really ignore those rising oil prices either because we have to remember they were part and parcel responsible for what uh, for the jump we saw in market rates this month uh, and the, the fanning of, of inflation worries and uh, inflation expectations, you know, perhaps um, getting unhinged should those oil prices continue to go up. And so uh, so I think that that remains a focal point for, um, for the Treasury market, will remain a focal point for the Fed. And I think it's something that uh, as equity investors look at what's happening in the Treasury market, uh, giving them some pause here, uh, again, um, knowing that rising rates have been you know, largely responsible for the difficulties the markets run into here in the month of September. Not a lot has changed, though. It just it seems like last week the narrative was higher rates longer. But capitalism isn't broke. The economy is still doing well. The workers are still employed. Inflation hasn't really spiked noticeably in the short term other than energy prices, which I guess is very noticeable. But aren't we kind of overreacting or maybe coming back to the me, the mid instead of being too optimistic or maybe we're getting a healthy dose of pessimism? I don't know if that's a fair question, but I, it feels like well, not that much has changed for me. Yeah, it's very much a, it's a fair observation, Rob, certainly. Um, you know, and one of the big picture uh, columns I wrote a couple of weeks ago kind of just talked about the fact that, um, you know, this is nothing out of the ordinary. You know, what we're you know seeing in large part, okay. too, is, is basically uh, correcting for some of the excess we saw in the first half of the year uh, and moving into like the end of July. Right. The market really got out ahead of itself in our estimation, uh, given uh, that you do have a lot of kind of. Uh, uh, overhangs there with inflation staying high, uh, potentially with earnings estimates coming down, potentially with the consumer starting, you know, maybe showing signs of, of, of breaking a bit here. Um, so, you know, I would point out to your listeners here that, you know, we're down about, oh, I don't know, only about 7% or so, I think, from, from the highs. Um, and, uh, you know, and we were at 4,600 or so coming into uh, August. And, uh, you know, a, temp- a correction is typically defined as a 10% pullback. We haven't even had a, quote, correction yet. You know, you kind of had a what's, you know, deemed a consolidation phase and one that was overdue, frankly. And so one of the things we need to keep our eye on, of course, though, is, is the performance of the mega cap stocks. They're instrumental in that run-up earlier in the year. They've not been acting well in September. Uh, and importantly, uh, you haven't seen much rotation, though, from those names into other names, right? You want to see a broadening out of the market, and that really hasn't happened here in September with this uh, retreat in the mega cap stocks. They've been weak, everything else. So we need to see some leadership emerge, and I think for the market to regroup here, it's going to need the um, you know the pull of those mega cap stocks. Uh, they need to get back on track to help pull things higher. I took up a lot of your time this morning talking about the UAW. Is there anything you want to talk about to finish our last two or three minutes? Well, you know, one of the things that, um, you, you know, it's been kind of bandied about here with the with the strike is the potential as you kind of work down the inventories that are available right now and, and you 
kind of shut off parts and distributions is just the worries that, you know, you might see um, inflation um, pick back up in terms of auto prices. Um, and, and it kind of bleeds into an idea I'm turning over my head right here is, is sort of about, you know, the, the specter of stagflation perhaps um, happening in the U.S. economy. Not convinced of it yet, but stagflation being a period where you have slower growth, higher unemployment and higher prices. And, um, you know, with the oil, you know, issue uh, that we have here, Saudi Arabia and Russia holding back production, prices, you know, moving higher, um, you know, something we have to consider maybe uh, that uh, becomes a, uh, a risk for both the stock and bond markets here as we, as we look ahead. So, you know, look maybe to flush out that point in the big picture column this week. Um, we still have one more minute. Is there any last tips or hints or tricks? Well, yeah, I just have to be mindful that, um, you know, we do have during this, this setback here, we talked about before, um, kind of been a fan of the equal weighted S&P 500 this year. It's basically flat okay. on the year, though, um, trailing that market cap weighted S&P 500 by a significant margin. But there is some value, we think, accruing there at the equal weighted level. Uh, and something for long-term investors to be mindful of as we kind of see the market pulling in here. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. That's briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news at T-News. I use it every day. He is gracious enough to give us time and some insight. Um, I think you should check out their website, um, top-notch quality. I personally like the in-play throughout the day. I don't use a lot of that content on this show. Um, but you can learn about what's happening with the Senate Banking Committee and how they're approaching marijuana moments, like some really fun stuff in there. Anyway, you can find out more at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. This interview featured on the Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing and more. Thanks for listening to the show. There was a interesting statistic that I played with incorrectly at the beginning of the show. It's kind of like an error in a mission. High net worth individuals, do you remember that part? Defined as those with a million dollars or more investable assets. Held 34% of their portfolios in cash as of January 2023. I said that's a good thing because ultimately that cash will go into the stock market or into the housing market when interest rates start to go lower and they are no longer rewarded for keeping cash in money markets or treasuries. But what I forgot to mention or draw attention to is this wasn't the start of January 2023. This was before the market went up huge. So some of those high net worth individuals made a mistake. Now, the market corrects back into negative territory, which it does not look like it will. Uh, they would be right. But if it doesn't, they underperformed. Redfin CEO commented on the housing market yesterday on CNBC late. He said affordability is at four-decade lows. He says prices keep going up. Usually in a downturn like 2008, people don't want to sell, but they had to sell. Sales volume crimp will last a long time. He also said there's a relief in the sense that home sales can't go much lower. He also said you can make profits in down markets, but you have to reduce costs. More people are moving to lower tax places with longer commutes. That's pretty good insight on real estate.
Um, I'm not saying it's perfect because real estate really is a local, local, local kind of market. Um, But that's worthy of thinking about. And again, some of the things that really stood out to me, affordability at four decade lows. That's not good. If I'm a 20 year old young man trying to venture out after college and plant my flag and find a spouse and make babies. I don't like the four decade lows from a 20 year old woman looking for security in life. I'm going to be a little bit more cautious. Prices keep going up. Usually in a downturn like 2008, people had to sell because the risk of foreclosure was imminent. 2008 had a lot of um, let's flip that house kind of mentality going on. And people got caught bad. People are not in dire economic straits today. In no way, shape, or form are they going to put up a home for sale with a 3%. The sales volume is going to cramp for a long time. That doesn't really mean much to me. There is a relief in the sense that homes can't go much lower. That doesn't mean much to me. More people are moving to lower tax places, longer commutes. That means a lot to me. The FTC sued Amazon in a sweeping antitrust case that targets its core business. It's going to be a tough one to win because there's so many options out there. That's the bottom line. But Amazon tends to punish sellers who offer their products at lower prices on other sites. So Amazon will push them down in search results. Amazon coerces sellers into using Amazon's fulfillment services to ship products. It's a prerequisite to be on Prime. Charges them steep fees that are passed down to shoppers. Linda Kahn, who is the head of the FTC, a longtime critic of Amazon in law school, she wrote an antitrust paper on Amazon that went viral. She scrutinized big tech since she's become the FTC chairman in 2021. She's not been able to get one case to stick. She's got about a year. Well, I'm not going to say she has a year. Biden might get reelected, might not get reelected, but she's got a year technically in this term. The FTC tried to block Microsoft's acquisition of Activision. That failed. There's an ongoing suit against Meta. Nothing's happened there. The Justice Department is in the middle of an antitrust battle with Google. Um, so far, not a lot of bite. And it's called Tech Lash um, because their concentration of power. Now, what's interesting to note is that she doesn't have to win to get Amazon to play better. The FTC in 17 states delivered a sweeping lawsuit against Amazon. It's the fourth lawsuit levied by the FTC against Amazon this year and easily the one with the most profound consequences. If you were to break up Amazon, stock would be worth $200 instantaneously. Do I think they abuse power? I do. Do I think they're still, and this is what happened yesterday, uh, two days ago. Uh, Yeah, two days ago. Apple's Eddie Q talked about the relationship with Google and how Apple gets paid $17 billion to make Google the uh, sole search engine or the primary search engine on Apple phones. You have to go through a process of about five different clicks to get Google's 
search engine as the primary search engine taken off. It's possible, but it takes some clicks. AQ was asking, is they're just the best at what they do, to be honest. Microsoft's Bing is not even in the conversation. And then you get DuckDuckGo and you don't get the same search results. I find that interesting. Other stories to note. Hold on. I should take a look at the stock market at some point, shouldn't I? Uh, One. Rebounding after large losses yesterday. Treasury yields are moving. Coming off their lows. Big move higher in oil prices weighing over the broader market. Relative softness in the mega cap space. The People's Bank of China injected liquidity and pledged to step up policy coordination. Those are the big stories of the day. Let's see if I can pull up fast enough the market numbers as we start to wind down the clock. Um, One more interesting thing of note, the video game Cyberpunk 2077, which was a critical flop two years ago. They've patched it, they've patched it, they've patched it, they've fixed it, they've upgraded it. Finally, to the point of it's a 10 out of 10 game. Um, Video games are a big story. I talked about Candy Crush hitting 20 billion in revenue earlier today. The markets are slightly lower, but nothing terrible. Oil's at $93 a barrel. I'm Rob Black. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.